0: spent time looking at the armor of God and then we went into a study on prayer and looking at several different prayers from both the New Testament and the Old Testament. And then with Missions Conference next week, this will be our final study on this particular topic for uh, the time being. After Missions Conference, Lord willing, I uh, would like to start a, a series on Uh, men and women of the Bible, uh, characters uh, from the Bible, and look at some Old Testament as well as some New Testament characters and do uh, some of the uh, studies on Wednesday night uh, regarding individual people in the Bible, some well-known and maybe some a little bit more uh, obscure. But tonight we'll look at prayer once again and a, a prayer in Matthew 9 that I know is Uh, familiar to us and is often preached at missions conferences, maybe uh, missionaries we've heard through the years have preached uh, from this passage and uh, just was drawn back to this passage again in preparation for uh, this evening's Bible study. Prayer for laborers. This is a time of year where harvest is beginning. We were driving around uh, this afternoon uh, doing some errands and uh, stopping by the church here and just some different things, and we saw uh, a big combine and truck and trailer out at one of the fields uh, driving around the other night. I saw there was a whole field that had already been harvested. Uh, speaking with Bob Klein last week, he was talking about harvest coming up, and I know that some of the, the harvesting doesn't take place for a while. I don't understand all the different stages. I guess it depends on what the crop is being used for in the particular uh, time that it's ready or it's ripe for, for the harvest. Uh, somebody would have to explain uh, some of those uh, details to me. I don't know when the soybeans over here, I'm pretty sure those are soybeans. I think I know that much about farming, uh, that those are soy- soybeans. And I don't know how long it will be before those uh, get harvested or, or what exactly they are being used for. Uh, maybe some of you are harvesting in your gardens already and you're canning and you're uh, doing whatever you, you need to do to prepare for the winter months or to sell uh, or to can. And so we are in the throes of a, of a harvest season even right now uh, around here in the great state of Indiana. And so we're familiar with some of this terminology. So we see in this passage in Uh, Verse 36, we see Christ's compassion for the multitudes. Christ's compassion for the multitudes. Let's back up to verse 35 of Matthew 9. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, in healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, Having no shepherd. I couldn't help but notice in verse thirty five, where was Jesus? We know he's the Son of God, we know he's God in the flesh, but still as a human being, where was Jesus? He was in the cities and in the villages, he was preaching and teaching in the synagogues and in the the places that he went and he was healing, diseases and sickness. We see Jesus involved with people. We see him involved with different people in different stages of life, in different backgrounds, and in different needs. We see Jesus out and about among the people. Again, I can't help but think about the the ordinary life of Jesus Christ. Though it was extraordinary, very extraordinary, again, Jesus was born in a manger, in an insignificant place, not born in a palace. There was no funeral like what we have experienced. Maybe you've watched a little bit of the queen's funeral. And I'm not saying that she wasn't a, a good queen. From my I understand, she was probably a genuine believer. From a testimony of Ian Paisley to a missionary in the United Kingdom, there appears to be a good, reputable testimony of her salvation. She was a good woman, but did Jesus get a 14-day funeral, 12-hour ceremony with all the pomp and circumstance? He was buried in a borrowed tomb. And the Roman government sealed his tomb, and Roman guards were put outside. There was no procession and regalty We can go on and on. He he lived an ordinary life. He he reached the the poor and the sinners, the publicans and the sinners. He healed diseases and sickness. He went among the diseased, the lepers. And he preached to the high and mighty, but many of them rejected him because they were too proud in their wealth and in their power and in all their pomp and circumstance. They were too proud to humble themselves and see their sin. We've been dealing with that In the book of John, seeing that very clearly in the book of John. And here we see Jesus out among the people. Where does our compassion come from? Where should it come from? It comes from a relationship with God, but it also comes with seeing the needs of the people. We have to get involved in people's lives. And sometimes it's hard to get involved in people's lives when they're not the nicest, don't smell the best, don't have the most money, don't have... The, the greatest abilities don't have all of the talent and all the money. Th- those sometimes are the people that are the hardest for us to get beyond ourselves and to be a servant to, because we want, and the world teaches us, that you need to keep up with the Kardashians. That would be disgusting and perverted, but that's what the world teaches us. You've got to keep up with the Kardashians. You've got to keep up with the Insta-influencers. You've got to keep up with the uh, Social media lights and ites and whatever the famous celebrities and all that. That's what the world teaches us. you got to be like the superstars and the celebrities. you got to keep up with that lifestyle. That's your goal. That's success. But that's not what Joshua one eight teaches us. That's not what Jesus lived out. He took upon him the form of a servant. And we're to have the mind of Christ. And we see that. How did Jesus... Gain and increase in his compassion by being out among the people, preaching and teaching and healing and serving, ministering, even taking apostles, one of whom would betray him. And they were down to their last day fighting and arguing over who was going to be number one in the kingdom or number two in the kingdom. And, and yet Christ continued to love and to serve and to preach and to teach. And it's a good example for us of how we can have compassion By getting involved in people's lives in the right way, not as a nosy busybody and just trying to be a gossip and get into everybody's business, not in that way, but getting involved in people's lives as a servant, as a a way to meet needs, that's going to endear, it's going to engender compassion in our hearts. And we need that more and more. So we see in Christ's compassion, he sees in the multitudes that they fainted. We see that in verse 36, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Fainted means weary, means full of fatigue, tired. And the primary application is that of the spiritual fatigue, the spiritual weariness. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Give thee rest. So Christ is... Full of compassion and he sees the spiritual weariness, the spiritual emptiness, the spiritual fatigue of the multitudes. And he has compassion. He sees their spiritual needs. He sees that they're burdened with the weight of false religion, of the guilt of their sin and their attempts at reaching heaven and reaching God by their good works. He sees their spiritual inadequacy. He sees their spiritual poverty. He sees their spiritual desperateness. He sees their need for spiritual rescue. And he has compassion. He sees that they're scattered abroad. We see there again in verse 36. It means they're driven without care or attention. Literally, they're harassed. We see that they have no shepherd at the end of verse 36. They're directionless. And that's where our world is, full of despair. Crimes of despair, violence, and suicide. And despairing crimes where people go out and they kill others. And there's a maniacal and almost a zero conscience to many of the criminals today. That's just hard to possibly imagine. Some of the headlines that we see in the interviews that they do and they talk about some of these criminals and the hardness of their hearts, the coldness. The callousness. There's a spiritual impoverishedness. And they are not beyond the grace of God. They still have to repent. And there's a lot of obstacles, a lot of stumbling blocks, a lot of sin to overcome. But the grace of God can still save that worst sinner. And Paul himself thought of himself as that worst sinner, didn't he? Because he saw, even as great a spiritual giant as Paul was, he saw how unworthy he was. Of the grace of Christ. And here's Christ seeing. They're they're shepherdless. There's no true spiritual direction. They're led in many cases by false teachers. False shepherds. We've been talking about that in the book of John. And many of the religious leaders had blinded the eyes of the people. We're thankful that we see groups getting saved. We see there are true disciples following Christ. And we see even as Christ preaches to the religious leaders who are opposed to him. We see some getting saved and even among the Pharisees, the religious leaders we know of at least Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. But we see Christ's compassion. We see his burden for the lost. He sees the spiritual emptiness and exhaustion. He sees that they're scattered abroad. They're, they're harassed in a sense by their own sin. There's that despair. There's that guilt. Uh, there's all of the consequences of sin that are, that are heaping up in their lives. And again, There's no shepherd. There's no spiritual direction. He sees their need for the truth. He sees their need for the gospel. He sees their need for repentance. He sees the answer, and he knows what it is, and he's preaching it, and he's teaching it, and we see the love of Christ. We see the love of God in this compassion, in this desire to give them the truth, to give them the gospel, to give them the answer that will rescue their souls. That will meet their spiritual needs. Man's greatest need is forgiveness. Man's greatest need is spiritual rescue from his sin. And then we see the expanse of the harvest. We see in verse 37 that then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. The harvest is plenteous. There is a full harvest. This is a little bit redundant, but it's there are many needs. There are many, many, many people without the Lord, and I don't have all the statistics, but there are billions of people who do not know Christ, and there are billions who have not even heard the name of Jesus. There is still the conscience, there is still creation, there is still the soul, but they have not received Christ, they have not even heard the name of Jesus, there are There's the 1040 window we're going to hear, I think, even next week from uh, Nick Stoll, who's going, I believe, into that 1040 window to the country of Nepal. Uh, We've had missionaries here. Uh, We've seen some of the statistics. There's a great need for the gospel to reach places around the world that have not received the gospel. But there's also many needs in the fact that there are many sins keeping people from trusting Christ, that's blinding their eyes. And sadly, many of those people, even now there's a growing number of people right here in the United States who have no clue about God or Jesus or the Bible. Uh, Kelly was talking with, I think I mentioned this before, some of you have probably uh, heard, heard this already, but there was a little girl near here who Kelly was talking to, and was talking to her about Sunday school and and Kids for Truth, and she had no clue what the Bible was, no clue what we were talking about, what Kelly was talking about, and she was like, "Oh, that sounds neat. That sounds like a scavenger hunt or, or something, you know? That sounds like uh, I forget exactly how she described it, but she had no clue. There was no understanding. There used to be a day when we could go to the doors and we could meet people in the stores and we could." Uh, just in general, talk to people, and they would have some understanding of the Bible. They would know who Noah and David and Jesus and some of the great uh, heroes of the faith, they would know at least their names and some of the story. And now, anymore now, people have no idea. They, they may have seen a Bible in their grandmother's house on their grandmother's nightstand. They maybe went to a VBS and sadly... Many VBSs now don't even hardly talk about the gospel. Many VBSs are just two or three hours of babysitting for moms and dads who want to drop them off. And the Babylon Bee had a funny headline about parents who drop their kids off at all the VBSs around town so they can have ten weeks of no kids for five nights a week for ten weeks during the summer. You know, the joke is you drop your kid off the VBS. And there are some that are genuinely preaching the gospel. But sadly, many of these VBSs are just entertainment. And there's really no gospel emphasis. But we, we are growing up, or we're seeing a generation growing up that, that doesn't know the Lord. And then there's all the needs around the world. And there's all the sins and the vices that are blinding people to their need. So we see the seriousness of the condition. And then we see the soberness of the condition. There is a real sobering reality that people are dying and going to hell today. And we need, to be, we need to be affected and we need to be afflicted in our heart, in our spirit. That though those unsaved people, and there are politicians that, when I see their face on the screen, they, I struggle in my flesh. Because they just seem to be the embodiment of evil. There are celebrities who, every three months, they have to change their pronouns. How ridiculous. There are perverts trying to pervert our kids. There are gross headlines that I can't even speak of in public, but are now on the social media and published, published in the headlines. Despicable things. And we should be angry in a righteous way toward those sins, but we can't forget there is a soul that needs Christ. And it's hard to separate that sometimes because we want to keep our kids safe. We want to keep our minds pure. We want to protect and we have to, in some ways, shelter. But as they get older, we have to insulate more than we isolate. We have to put on layers of insulation and do less isolation. Because we are in a world today that we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And it's a hard balance sometimes. And it can get sloppy sometimes. And we get angry at the world, and we get angry at the, at the sin, and we should. And there, are, there, there is an embodiment of that sin, I realize, in a person. And that person has to be addressed, and that issue has to be dealt with, and the truth has to be proclaimed, and the gospel has to be told, but we still have to see that person as someone who is made in the image of God, who needs, needs Jesus Christ, who will spend in eternity somewhere. That's the sobriety, and that's a tension we have to live with, that while we hate that sin, and they embody maybe even that sin, and they, 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 they publish that sin, and they promote that sin, and they even commit that sin against us, we still have to love our enemy and pray for them, and do good to them, and bless them. And we have the example of Jesus Christ as the greatest example, who prayed, even, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So there's the seriousness and the soberness of the condition, where a harvest is plenteous. And then finally, the need for labors. We see the direction of this prayer. Where is the prayer directed to? So we know the labors are few, so there is a need for labors. But verse 38 says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. The direction of the prayer. We're praying to the Lord, and we're praying that the Lord would call out labors, that the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest, calling them out and sending them. So the direction of the prayer is to the Lord, and it's praying for laborers that the Lord will burden and send. And that means that there is a desire produced. That we are to delight ourselves in the Lord, and he shall give us the desires of our heart. But the key to that is that we delight ourselves in the Lord. That we commit our ways unto him. I believe it's verse number five. So as we're praying to the Lord, we're praying that that desire will be produced. And it has to start with ourselves, has to start with me. That I'm praying that I would have that desire to fulfill the will of God in being a laborer for Him. It may or may not be vocational ministry, but we have to be willing and we're all called to proclaim the gospel, to go and to give the gospel to every creature. So that means there's a dedication that's needed. We have to obey the call, all of us, in a general sense, to fulfill the Great Commission, to be witnesses to be ambassadors, to, we have the ministry of reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, uh, we go down even further in verses 18 through 20, "...and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ." and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. So we're ambassadors. We have this ministry of reconciliation. We have this commission We are to be witnesses. So there is a dedication that is needed. We need servants. And we need servants in the church. We need more servants right now at Berean. Uh, There's so many ministries that that God has blessed us with. And there's more that uh, we would love to have. And there's leadership needed. There's a a servant that's needed. And if uh, you are wanting to know where those needs are. Uh, I can talk to you about them after the service. Um, we have space that's needed. We are at the point now where we might need some more space. We are seeing the need for maybe more rooms, to have more ministries. I mean, there's so many needs. The harvest is plenteous. We need more labors. It's hard for me as a pastor when somebody says I want to serve, for me to say, nope, Sorry. Now, there's protocols, there's things that we have to go through, and there's things that we have to put in place, and background checks, and membership, and all, all that stuff. Okay? I'm not saying we just throw, pe- throw warm bodies in rooms and say, well, have fun. You know, It's not like that. There's an organization to it. There's decently in an order. But it's hard for me when somebody says they want to serve for me to say, nope, I'm looking for new ministries, and I'm looking for leadership. And when somebody says I want to serve, I may have to say, wait, but let's pray about it. And when there is a willingness and a commitment and a dedication, it's amazing how God opens the doors. And oftentimes, it's in the little areas first. We have to be faithful in the little areas before God opens up the bigger ones. And I remember coming out of seminary, and I was ready to preach under every rock, on top of every rock, and tops of the trees, and every tree stump that the Lord gave me. I wanted to preach. I mean, it was hardly, there was, I couldn't say no nursing homes, retirement homes, anywhere I could find I wanted to preach, but God had to humble me in a lot of ways and smooth off some rough edges because I couldn't just go gung-ho into the ministry and think I knew it all and could do it all, and I learned, (laughs) okay, I had to temper that in the Lord's will, in the Lord's time, and in his direction, and uh, there was some humility I needed along the way, but We need more people gung-ho for the Lord, ready to serve, and God will find a place. It may take some time, it may take some training, but God will find a place. It disappoints me, and I loved how Dr. Bob III would talk about, frequently, don't graduate from Bob Jones University and move into a house in Greenville and Multiply the alumni in Greenville. Go out and find a place to serve. Go to a local church somewhere and serve the Lord. Get plugged in. You may not be called to vocational ministry. You may be called to technology or business or medicine. But go find a little local church and get plugged in and serve. And I talked to a man out in Utah. He said, I was one of those guys. We were in the same chapels. And I heard Dr. Bob. And he said, I'm out here in Utah because I felt like God was calling me to go and to help a little local church. And praise God, he was still there 20 years later serving. And I am so thankful for that. And I'm praying that the Lord will bring one of those families here. And we'll say, I want want to come to Lafayette, Indiana, and help serve the Lord here at Berean Baptist Church. And I've got two little kids and uh, school bills, but I want to serve the Lord. I'm praying that God will give us one of those families. I'm burdened for that. Because there is much work to be done for the Lord. And there is a lost and dying world all around us. And there is a soberness. And there is a dedication that is needed. And I can't help but be burdened. For a missions conference next week. Because there is a burden that we need for the lost. I am not here as, as a pastor because of anything that I have done. What was the prayer? Prayer for laborers. I know for a fact that my mom and dad prayed for me. Knowing that it might take, it may take me and the grandkids away from them. I remember a phone call with my dad when I was explaining to him my call to the ministry. One of the few times my dad broke down in tears. But I said, dad, I'm called to preach. And he said, that's okay. You go where God wants you to go. And that's why it's so hard to pray for laborers, because it may mean us, it may mean our kids, it may mean our grandkids. It may mean that they have to go places that we, in our flesh, don't want them to go, because it's going to be hard, we're not going to see them. Or they're going to be doing things that aren't considered successful in the Lord's eyes, or, excuse me, they aren't considered successful in the world's eyes. They're successful in the, in the Lord's eyes, but not in the world's eyes. It may mean, if they're called to vocational ministry, it may mean they're not going to probably get rich, probably not get famous. And they probably will have their fair share of criticism and their unfair share of criticism. There's going to be some hard knocks along the way. But the ministry is worth it. And whenever we're serving the Lord, whenever any time spent serving the Lord, it's time well spent. So we pray for laborers. And that's one of the reasons we have a missions conference, because we need a greater burden for the lost. It helps us concentrate on specific needs, both here and around the world. It may mean a call of our own life to vocational ministry, to missions. It may mean our kids, or grandkids. It may mean that there's somebody right here at Berean Baptist Church who is under the impression from the Lord to go into vocational ministry to serve the Lord in missions or in preaching or in some ministry full-time, in a vocational ministry. That would be a privilege and an honor for us as Berean Baptist Church to be the sending church for a missionary family, to lay hands on them like the church at Antioch. That would be a wonderful thing. I've been a part of those services, and I tell you, they get you exhilarated When you have an opportunity to walk through and put your hands on and pray for a a missionary family that's being sent out. And when we see on those prayer cards sending church, wouldn't that be a great day to see Berean Baptist Church on there? As one of our young people, one of our families goes out and serves the Lord. And it may mean that they're far far away. It may mean that they're close. We don't know. But a missions conference expands our knowledge and our understanding of missions. We're going to learn things next week. We're going to see things next week. And I think Dr. Airwood's going to share things about about Ukraine and Slavic Baptist Mission that don't make the headlines. That Fox News and Conspiracy News Network and all the other networks they don't share. I'm sorry, that was the Communist News Network, Um, whatever that news network is, and all the other ones they don't share. And even the conservative news networks often leave out the gospel and the ministry of of Christ and the church that's going on around the world. All the, many, of the, many of the conservative, even the conservative news networks, are more concerned about the politics and the humanitarian needs and the social gospel. But we're going to see needs and we're going to gain an understanding and a greater knowledge of missions, and then we're going to see God's providential work of saving the lost. We're going to see the heart of God for evangelism. And that's one of the reasons we're having a missions conference. I know it's going to take some time. I know we're going to be weary at the end of the week, but it'll be a good weariness. And we want to be gracious hosts, and we want to uh, have the Lord do a work in our hearts. So this is a prayer, a prayer uh, that each of us must have, and it it, it has to start even with us in this prayer for laborers, that, Lord, where would you have me serve? What would you have me to do? Where would you have me to go? And if it means my children, if it means my grandchildren, that's okay, Lord. They're yours anyway. And may the Lord bless uh, our outreach and our ministry here in Lafayette to his honor, and to his glory. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for our church. Thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in our midst. Lord, I pray that you will burden our hearts for the loss. Give us opportunity, divine appointments. Give us, Lord, the privilege of seeing people saved. And Lord, in your time, in your plan, in your providence, Lord, may we even see uh, some young people, some families called out, even uh, from our midst. And Lord, we pray that you will do your work in our lives, guide and direct in the remainder of our week. Pray for safety and for strength, and help us to be faithful in serving you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being here. Have a great rest of the week, and we'll see you, Lord willing, on Sunday.